0: Coming to you again, raw and uncut. It's the way we like it here. It uh, allows the ideas to kind of grow organically as the um, they come into the thought, to the thought world, so to speak. Um, last week, I recorded a short twenty-minute piece on the sanctity of life, the unborn, and how they're precious, how it's a mathematical contradiction that we're even alive and on this planet, and how it's important to preserve life. And I forgot to touch upon one question that I wanted to ask anybody who's listening. Would you have wanted to be an abortion? Can you ask yourself, would I have wanted to be an abortion? If you answered no, that's your choice. If you answered yes, you wouldn't be around for that question. You wouldn't have had a choice. These things are babies, are vital, and important to protect. They carry on forward, our population. Because of bad choices people have made, the fear that people have doesn't mean they are to be discarded. They are not the ones that need to be the problem. To be disposed of. Up until the final hour and after. And I was watching this documentary on Netflix about an octopus. And this guy had a connection with this octopus. He was studying it. And I could see this heartfelt emotion in him. When he was talking about it. And when he was recounting his experiences with this particular animal. And it stuck out in my mind of how many hundreds of thousands of eggs are dispersed and only a dozen or so survive. It's just a numbers game at that point. I mean, you take it to a human level and you've got hundreds of millions of sperm competing to for one egg. I mean, it's staggering that that can even happen. That That out of that, this little thing can travel so far to find this other counterpart to start this chain reaction of life. And that's all I really want to say on that issue this week. I don't want to belabor that issue. I don't want it to become the theme. But the, the a big theme of this thing is the sanctity of human life. And that's where it all begins. I don't know if anybody's watched that movie, The Watchman there's this scene in which he's speaking to um, Dr. Manhattan is speaking to this woman that he cares about, and it goes on into this long um, monologue about, from a contradiction, uh, this thing arose and against all odds, and you'll have to watch it for yourself. It's one it's he removes himself from the planet because he's finally reached a point in which he feels so disconnected. He doesn't want anything to do with humanity at that point. So I guess now I look to change topics. I'm looking at this world through a lens. Locally around me, it seems to be that people have a sense of camaraderie. People have a sense of of good nature, goodwill, no matter what divisions you may have within your thinking, within your ideologies, within any aspect of life, that when it comes down to life or death, they're there for you. They're there to support you. What I'm seeing as I've hopped on the Twitterverse and and been looking around a little bit and And just reading these headlines and some of these articles and, you know, as everybody knows, Donald Trump is a very polarizing figure. Um, But what I've seen arise out of this as he's been diagnosed with COVID-19 is that he is being attacked by people. They're hoping he dies. They're wishing he dies. Imagine, one of the quotes was, imagine a, never having to think about Donald Trump again. He gets what he deserves. He gets all this stuff. He he deserves what he gets. He. It's like, really? Uh, <clears throat> is that really how we should be responding as humans to another human, whether we despise this person or not? Do we wish death? On somebody. It is that vitriol that has arisen out of. I don't know if it has existed all the time and has just been suppressed by this artificial veneer of social discourse that has existed up until Donald Trump came into the social sphere and disrupted it politically. I don't know if it's always existed and it just lurked in the shadows and now it's in plain sight, but it's disgusting to wish that on another person, to wish death. Where have we come as a society when that's what people start to think? Where's the love? There is no love in that. I've spoken before about, you know, loving somebody that loves you is easy. You know, loving somebody that hates you is is way more difficult. Or loving somebody that you disagree with entirely. You may not even like them, but deep down inside, we are all genetically very similar, spiritually very similar, and we're all connected to the same divine source. It all, it seems so simple to state, but it all boils down to the golden rule. Treat others as you'd like to be treated. Now, I assume there are outliers here. If you had some type of masochist or, or whatever, I mean, I mean, there's an outlier in everything. But as a general rule, the golden rule applies. We're all growing from the same substrate. We're all created in the same temporal existence. We're all thriving and diving into the same energetic force, the substrate of God. It's like a mushroom, in a way. It's like you've got this mycelium body grows underground. It's much larger than anything you'll visually see. But then up from that comes a fruiting body and another one, and another one and another one. But they're all connected to the same source. And that's what we have to remember. We're all connected to the same source. We're a tree. We, we're leaves on a tree. We're branches, whatever you want to think of it as. And if we're going to have such poison in our minds towards another group or another person, it poisons the whole tree. One bad apple would spoil a whole bunch, as the saying goes. I, on this cast, talk a lot about forgiveness, letting it go, forgiving, to be calm when it's hard to be calm, not perfect, I know that, but there is an idea, what I'm not trying to convey is that you can't or shouldn't be angry. There's a concept of righteous anger. Anger at our fellow humans for what they're doing. For who they're hurting. For tarnishing the human aspect. And that's okay. In my opinion, and from what I've read... Biblical texts, in other ancient writings, other modern writings, there is a certain degree where righteous anger is acceptable. And there are a few things that cause righteous anger in me wishing death on somebody, not protecting the infirmed, not protecting the helpless. The indifference of good men makes me angry. Righteously angry, I, I believe. And uh, the, it used to be this idea of this fabric of society. And a fabric, if you think about it, it appears to be one unit but actually it's a fabric made up of many fibers and many strings and threads woven together there's a commonality in, the, in this whole thing so what I see is the fabric of society breaking down there used to be a common code a common sense code be good to your neighbor. Now people don't even know their neighbors. You know, it's become more about the individual, the individual code, the individual's belief. And that's something that's been stripped away. I don't know if it's been through the education system or the degradation of morality, parental um, parental failures, I don't know where it's stemming from, but we'll dive into that eventually, I'm sure. But it comes back to a common code and, you know, nowadays it's like nationalism is a bad thing, but from some people's point of view, but it's a perverted point of view to think that nationalism is, is a bad thing to have some national pride is good. To have a set of national interests is good. To have a national culture is good. I like when people come into this country. I like when people bring new flavors into this country. But don't come here to fundamentally change this country. You know, it's good to have a sense of, of a national fiber at the center of things where people adapt to that. It's a as if it's a, a plugging into the country as opposed to the country plugging into you. That's the difference. You plug into this substrate, this country, and that is how it works. You adapt. You le- people have left the place that they left from for a reason. Not to bring it here, but to escape it or to explore a new and wonderful thing. So having a national interest is is awesome you know, you think of the Italians, and you think of this uh, romantic Italian music. Sometimes you think of this, um, the food, the uh, the the hot blooded romance type thing, and maybe a stereotype, but it's always a romantic vision to think of that. You think of the French, their fantastic cuisine. You think of of their pastries. You think of Paris and the the romance of all of that. You think of the Germans and their great great foods meats think of their structure and their organization and from when i studied german in college you know the language even the language was highly structured i mean that's what i think of when i think of germans and you think of brit english the, the british as being you know proper and well-spoken and articulate You know, they have fish and chips, bad teeth, maybe stereotypes, whatever. It was fun to think about that. And you think of the American, the the bravado, the untamed American spirit of ingenuity driving forward. And I see now this sense of homogenization that's coming about where everybody's got to be the same. Individuals. It's kind of a paradox, really, if you think about it. It's a paradox. There's so much stress on the individual rights and feelings and but yet there's a diminish they diminish the national sense that holds it all together. It's what is there to believe in? There's a bunch of individual codes of conduct. People become fractionated. People get divided. You're divided by color, race, creed, religion, sexual orientation. And now sexual orientation is even confused, and biological sex is is getting confused. It, it's. There's no. There's no standard. There's no commonality. There's no. There's no sense of unity. It's because everything is all chopped up and diced up. And that's where I think my thought of the sense of the common. There used to be a sense of common. that thing that held us together or the fabric of it at all is that even if we couldn't agree on a political issue we could agree that we're all Americans and even deeper than that we could agree that we're all human beings so I would encourage everyone to go back and just think of the small acts little things you can do just one little thing. Just one little thing every day. A thing happened to me after I did a podcast the other week. A couple weeks ago. I was going through a drive-thru. Because I was in a rush to go do something and and I wanted a burger. And I pull up behind and I'm waiting. And, and then I order and I pull up to the window. And I hand the guy the card and he's like, that person ahead had you already paid for you. I was blown away. I was like, wow, that is really nice. That's nice. And I brought my card back into the car, was gonna put it back in my wallet. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna continue this act. Paid for the person behind me. That to me was something little I could do to continue the chain of goodness. And you never know. The butterfly effect, little butterfly flaps its wings, a world away, creates a hurricane. You never know when that one good act is gonna save somebody something. You know, I mentioned before, people could be having a bad day, they could have lost somebody, they could be having all sorts of trouble. But come back to the human element. Come back to it. Do something human to them. In this world, it just seems it's driving towards this technological enclosure, this technological trap, this this zombification of us all to where it's impersonal. One human act. Help somebody in the store. If they can't reach something, ask them if they'd like help. Help somebody carry their groceries. Help. Just do one thing. One thing. Talk to somebody. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're not an outspoken person. Maybe they internalize everything and they just let it chew themselves up inside. Maybe they just needed to get it off their chest. Give them the light of day. I love humanity. I think we're a truly remarkable species. I think we have great potential, unrealized. I think we need to internalize more and think deep down inside. We need to burrow through all the clutter. We have constant cell phone access. We have constant TV access. We have constant digital overload, constant screen access auditory, our senses are becoming overwhelmed. Unplug for a while, sit in silence, close your eyes, and just tap into that, which is in your center, which is in deep inside of you. If you could just dig in and just open yourself up there's more to this world than knowledge. This information, not necessarily knowledge, but information being thrown at you constantly, whether it's how deep or how superficial it is, it's just a constant flow. Whereas if you tap in and just deepen into your mind and think about... This giant infinite pool of wisdom and understanding that sits inside of us all. Our brains are just transmitters. We're waiting to receive and we're waiting to repeat. We're antennas. We're antennas for anything around us. It's what do we attenuate it to? What frequency do we tap into to get this? It's slowing it down and attenuating our minds to a deeper, more powerful, and a deeper love, a loving frequency. It seems so foreign. You know, we've got our five senses But you look at some of the ancient religions, you look at some of these other religions, speaking of the mind's eye, all these chakras, you know, we've gotten to a point where we only believe what the eyes see, the ears hear. We're trapped in the sensory world when there's actually extra senses that we don't even know. It's that spidey sense inside. Tap into that spidey sense. Listen on a level you've never listened before. Wait for the world to speak. Wait for God to speak. It's not going to... To me, it's a very personal thing. And I think it's personal for everybody, their relationship with God and the divine and, and the ultimate creator. You know, a lot of... I don't think it's... For me, it's not... I hear a voice in my head and and it's god speaking to me directly as if it's a voice it's speaking to me in such a fashion that there's a per, there's a little pearl of information there a pearl of information there some time goes by another pearl of information little piece of information and then also all of a sudden bam a realization it's kind of like I don't know if you've ever read the book Flatland. Would, we may have discussed this already, but the book Flatland, there's a sphere. You've got this little, let me start over. You've got this two-dimensional creature that can only look around. It can't look up or down, but only around in 360 degrees on a plane. And that's it. An infinitely thin little line, basically, he can see around and around from his perspective, that's a very limited world that it lives in this little creature on flatland. And so if you had a three-dimensional sphere that came down and started to pass through 2d land, what you would, what that little creature would see on flat land, you would see a dot when the sphere first makes contact with that plane, a line that keeps getting longer as the sphere is passing through, and it gets to a point where it's the longest, which is the hemisphere, the point at which you have a hemisphere, and then it gets shorter and shorter until it becomes a dot. Now to that flatland creature, it has a very limited perspective. It, it can't look up, it can't look down. It doesn't know what just happened. It saw a dot and a line, some lines getting longer, shorter, and then a dot again. But there's so much more. So if you assume that there is a higher order being, there is a higher order God, there is a creator of these things, he would be of a greater dimension. So, when he spoke, speaking to him, if you believe the text in the Bible, God said, Let there be light, and then boom, there was light. If you could imagine that he, it, I don't know how you say it, God speaks on that level, it's like flatland. You can't get the whole story at one time our minds would explode our minds would explode so it's tuning in attenuating your mind to the divine to pick up those subtle hints and throughout the day most of the time that's what it is a subtle hint but every now and then it will slam a person with emotion a realization The hair will stand up on the back of your neck. You may become overcome with emotion. You may cry. It may bring you to your knees. You may feel sadness. You may feel absolute delight. But there is something communicating, and it's up to us to accept it and to tap into it and to listen. To bring us back to humanity, to bring us back to a caring, loving empathetic culture to have empathy coming back to the Donald Trump thing whether you disagree or not put down the pride put down the anger put down the ego and pray for the man hope for the man to wish death So how is those feelings of such hatred and anger inside of you, inside of a person, all it does is serve to poison that person, poison the person that it's directed to, and poison everybody around that person that's wishing it. It's self-destructive. It's what the enemy wants. The enemy is jealous, Satan, whatever you want to call it, jealous that we were created in the image of God and we were loved so much by God that we were given free will. So don't let that malevolent thought process separate you from God. I fought with that this week, being angry with people I fought hard. I had moments where I got angry. I almost erupted in anger, but I had to beat it down. You have to realize that there are other things going on in somebody's life. And the person I was angry with had a lot going on this month, deaths. Past deaths, anniversaries of death, anniversaries of divorces. I'm not going to get into specifics because this person values privacy, but let's just say these were the worst kind of deaths, the deaths that aren't naturally supposed to happen. You're supposed to watch as your parents die. You're never supposed to watch the other way around. And that pain that that person was feeling was manifesting itself as anger towards things and people around them. And I was beginning to respond in anger to that. And then I realized what was going on and I saw the hurt and I saw the pain I saw the human, I saw the human, and I corrected my action, I corrected my direction, and I came to a point of empathy, and love, and understanding. It's never too late to change your path, and just because you were wrong at one time doesn't mean you're wrong forever, because there's forgiveness. People will be like, well, he did that back then. Yeah, he maybe did. So-and-so did that back then. Yeah, they maybe did. did they, are they doing that now? Are they doing it now and knowing that they're doing it now on purpose? Or have they been absolved? Have they asked for forgiveness? Have they sought to change their actions now? That's what. It, that's all we have is right now. If we live in the past entirely, all we'll have are things to hold on to. And with those things come resentment, but also happiness. I'm not saying to discard the past, but we need to stop judging people on their past. Move forward. Accept. Forgive. Bring a new take on it. Look to the future a little bit. But what we really truly have at the the crux of this issue is right now. We have right now. The past is a memory. The past is a quantum mechanical state, however you want to look at it. The future isn't guaranteed, the future isn't certain. What we have is right now. Make it Your best effort. Make it my best effort to not leave angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't live with hate in your heart. Show the children in this world that there is love. Show the people in this world that there is love still exists. I thank you for listening. And... It motivates me when I see that I get views or downloads on this. And if you have some feedback, something you don't like, something you do like, something you want to hear more of, email me, Trevor at senseofthecommon.com. Reach out to me on Twitter, Sense of the One. I don't have Facebook, like I said. Go to the website if you want, senseofthecommon.com. And we'll have a chat. I'm not perfect, but I do have some ideas. And I hope you listen to them. And I hope you give me some feedback. But above all, all we have is now. Bring a little love into this world. Bring some compassion. Bring an act of kindness. One single act of kindness can go so far. You have no idea the chain reaction it can cause. You do something for that one person... They may go tell 15 people it happened. And I'm not saying to go out there and and just seek glory in this because that's the wrong attitude. Give in secret, really. Give in silence. Don't give just so you can boast. Give to give. Give to change. Give to love. And watch it change somebody's life. They go tell 10 people that this amazing thing happened to them today. And it may seem so little to you, but that just, you just spread that to 10 people. And they may, st- and these moods may change. And all of a sudden you've got a group, a big group of people interacting with people that are in better moods or more empathetic or more loving. It's remarkable when you think about it. One small act. One small act is all it takes right now, is what we have. And the moment you spot a chance, do it. Tomorrow isn't necessarily going to come. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. No. Right now. It's all we have. Thank you.